1: It's Ty Power's Bigfooty final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty
2: Power's Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.
0: It's time to cast off on a new
2: adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood here with you this morning. You can follow us on our Real Adventures Facebook page to join in the conversation to chat all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. How are you? Going very, very well. We've had a very large week on the tracks. So I'm a bit knackered this week. But, you say uh, that every week. I
1: swear you just sit in the cafe down at the Cats there with the boys, hey, lattes. Just getting better every week. Eh? Just getting
2: better every week. Hey, let's jump straight into it, straight off the bat. My fishing. Being a, It was forecasted, it was, you know, some really nice days changed early on in the week. All of a sudden the wind came up. Did you get a chance to get out?
1: Yeah, so Monday was very, very ordinary. Uh, but we didn't get the rain. I know they did around the country in the important parts. They got the rain, but... Back at home here, we didn't get a lot of the rain, uh, which is, I don't mind that, because it actually hammered down where we needed it. So I think uh, Cam was Cam uh, White, our good friend of the show, he was down doing a fundraiser down in Lakes Entrance and reckons that damn, that way Bansdale just copped it, which is exactly where the fires were, and the last of that fire sort of heading towards that Marlow, Mallacootary in between there, which is awesome to hear. But then the South Westley was blowing, so didn't get out for a fish. Then on the Tuesday, uh, sleeping... And then we had that flood tide in the afternoon. And what I mean by that was we had that southwesterly wind. But because it was so windy the day before and the swell was up, we jumped on the Whiting, Port Phillip Bay, and they went a treat. bit harder to get my squid, though, because I couldn't see the bottom. I hadn't been out for a few days. I was going
2: to say the, the back of the dirty water, obviously, yep. helping the whiting bite.
1: It's spot on. The dirty water, nice tides away from that full moon as of last week, approaching the new, but the tide was still pretty good. And then it went into Wednesday. Now, I had my eyes on Wednesday all week. Uh, leading up to this, before the kingfish, uh, and then it's shaped up to be a big northerly wind, so nearly 30 knots. But the good thing about a northerly wind is quite often it means the swell's going to be down, which it was as of Monday into Tuesday into Wednesday it was nearly flat from the yep. swell that it was, and then we headed offshore early, so we saw a break early on daylight, which was around that sort of 10 to 12 knots to get our bait. So we got our live bait first, and then we went searching for kingfish. One that once that wind got up so we fished nice and close into shore out of the wind and it was windy while we we're fishing but you just don't notice it especially in the staby with the hard top you got your nose into the wind and the tide fortunately it was going the right way both in the same direction we held ourselves there and we caught some really nice kingfish that was good very similar
2: th- you had a few issues with green water earlier in yeah the week,
1: yeah that yeah even into last week as well the green water I uh, had to make the really can
2: you, can you tell us why that why does that have such an influence and impact on the fishing?
1: So basically with kingfish, it's just one of those common knowledge, I guess you could say, that kingfish is very hard to catch in green water. They don't like green water. Yep. Uh, they sit, and what I mean by green water is when you look in the water, you can actually, you yeah, can, it looks green. It, yeah, it's really, <laughs> yep. it's versus that beautiful deep blue you get when you head offshore. Exactly, and the easiest way to explain it in shallow is if you're in 10 to 15 metres of water and you can't make out the bottom, that's not good. Because yep. that green water's usually the reason why the reason why that you can 't yep. make out the bottom, so actually a good way a thing to talk about with the with the dirty water a way to find it now, some parts will have clean water on swell and other parts will have uh, dirty water on swell and what happens is if you go to a, if you and I are heading around so your place, pat Moggs Creek, and if you follow along the coast and you 've got a very beachy coast and you can see it from the boat you 're looking into shore and you can see the beach it 's sandy. Quite often, off the back of that beach, it's traditionally going to be sandy. Yep. It's going to be sandy. When you get to, it, if you once you start to see some rocks or a headland on the water, quite often it's going to be reefy in that water out the back of that cape. Now that's a real good tip for anyone trying to find ground if you aren't very familiar with sonars or you're wanting to start a starting point to use your sonar. Find a big headland, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's going to take you to uh, uh, some sort of structure around it. Quite often. Coming back to what I was saying with the sand and the reef is if you find that headland, quite often around that headland, like I said, it's going to be reefy. There's not as much sand for the waves to break on and create dirty water. Yep. Where when you 're on that sandy beach, quite often it 's sandy in the water, and the waves are breaking, and that creates the dirty water so it 's constantly hitting the sand it 's like a, Tuning it up turn it up it 's like putting your hand in, in i guess in a in a sink if you fill, filled it with rocks and to move your hand around you 'd get a little bit of sediment if you were to fill it with sand and move your hand around in the water you 're going to have sand um, or sediment all through that water so it 's the same story in the ocean, and that 's how we target these kingfish to find the blue water so not only fishing deeper works really well too, so if you come out of the, my, my home ground, you come out of the Port Phillip Bay Heads and you turn right at the back of Point Lonsdale. Very heavy ground at the back of Point Lonsdale. So quite often that it's going to be cleaner than what it's going to be if you move towards that ocean grove ground. And that comes into if you're diving for crayfish, if you're diving to, to look at uh, any structure or whatever it is or fishing for kingfish to find that clean water, that heavier ground. For example, down going down the left, Portsy, when you come out of Portsy and turn left, you go, geez, it's nice and clear here. Then all of a sudden you get down to the shank, if you're fishing down the shank, and it's copped a flogging. Yes, it's a headland, but there's sand on either side of it, and what happens is that sand, because there's so much tide, it just gets drawn around and hammers around that headland, and that can be an issue down at capes. For example, I know the areas in that lighthouse near your house, Pat, that holds a lot of tide at times, doesn't it? Yeah, it moves big time. And which, But that's what the kingfish like as well. So predicting your swell and then understanding where your dirty water is going to be is going to save you from wasting time catching nothing to catching maybe two or three fish if you are determined. And I made the mistake last week. Not so much I made the mistake. A mate of mine was determined after I caught those kingfish for a couple of days. He wanted to catch kingfish. He never caught them before. And I said to him, it, it traveled a fair way. And I said to him straight up, it's swell come up to four and a half meters. And I said to him, we're going to be wasting our time. Would you like to get some big gummies? No, no, I'm coming all this way. I'm, all I want to catch kingfish. I said, you're probably going to catch nothing, but I'm happy to try for you because you come this way, I'm happy to try. Yep. Let's do it. Um, or we can go catch a couple of gummies or even some squid or whiting, whatever you want to catch. Plenty of salmon at the moment. And right salmon in the heads right as well. We actually got yep. a couple of those on the way in, which sort of made me a bit happier. But we went down there, and it was just horrible, Pat. Yep. I was fortunate enough on the way down to come across a massive school of kingfish in blue water. So I was travelling in 30 metres, the water was quite blue, and there was a big school of kingfish, and they were cracking fish. And I will guarantee you these fish are the ones that we'll probably from the shank where I was fishing. So what's happened is is I reckon they've moved out with the, with the clean water and they've come up to the top to feed, and I could see two big schools of them. We pulled up, we cast the bungee casts at them, they folded to the boat, I had the liveys in the water, bang, two rods, didn't <laughs> unfortunately dropped both of them, but two rods went off, they popped up again, did the same thing, they didn't take the liveys, we didn't see them again for the rest of the day. We worked the shank for three more hours, didn't catch a fish, but we went back to that spot where we seen them, and as the tide started... To pull out to where that was the water in thirty meters within twenty minutes, we only did twenty minutes and went back we well, may as well go back to where they were, yep. so we went back out and didn 't see another fish for the rest of the for the rest of the day for another four hours just because the water was gross then Got, and people wonder why they're a prick of a thing to fish for. <laughs> they're a stupid fish to catch. At least why do you get the odd one in clean water? You don't even get these. And then end of the week, we won't wrap up too much. We've got some nice gummies as well. And then, unfortunately, enough, after we finish our chat here, I'm heading straight to Peterborough. Uh, or t- heading straight to Princeton, a beautiful place down on the west coast there. Uh, we're going to do some... We're not going to fish. We're going to do some diving over a couple of days, have a couple of beers around the campfire, because it's obviously the Australia Day long weekend this, this week, uh, leading into the start of... Um, leading to the start of the Monday, Tuesday, which I think a couple of people were taking a couple of sickies to make it a long weekend, Patrick. No, yeah. people never that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm heading down there. That's Red's tip for this weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a couple of sickies. <laughs> but we're heading down there. Going to grab some craze, hopefully. There is a bit of swell around, as I've seen this morning. But we're going to punch down there and hope well, the miss is going to drive us down there because she's which is about seven months now, Patrick, so there's no driver.
2: We are going to focus on Prince Town a little later in the show. Hey, Redmond, um, Marlin off the east coast of Australia at the moment. Now, there's been so much talk around the influence that these fires have had and the devastating impact that they've had uh, on the country, which is clear to see. Um, But we spoke on last week's show, the most important thing that people can do when it is safe to head back into these towns is to get back in there and support those local businesses and start fishing again, support the local bakery, the local petrol station, whatever it might be, local tackle store, because there's some great fishing to be had.
1: Yeah, there is, Pat. You nailed it on the head. The fishing is going to be the best to come. And I'm going to start up sort of around that Batesman's Way area. Uh, Batesman's Bay. What did I say? Bateman's Bay. Oh, sorry. Bateman's Bay area. <laughs> good start to the show. Uh, Bateman's Bay area. Basically, it's a beautiful place, Bateman's Bay. I'll say that properly. Uh, Bateman's Bay is a river place and has some seriously good fishery. Now, like you said, I want to say it again. Make sure it's safe to do so to get there uh, and also to be there. Check your – check. You can just, there's so many apps now, Pat, and also social media and a simple phone call. You can you can work out what's going on. But basically, we're going to talk a fair bit of fishing for these towns, what they've got to come. The Marlin have already been pretty good there, and they're only going to get better. And the good thing about Batesman's Bay, it's not a massive trek to where the feeding grounds are. You're looking sort of between 8 to 14 k's, depending on the angle you're going to travel. And that's to the... Excuse me, that's to the, to the shelf. continental shelf. Yep. And, uh, there's some, and, and there's some, obviously
2: some beautiful islands around Batemans Bay as well. Oh, there's plenty S- of
1: things to do around.
2: Straight off the heads, obviously Tolgat Islands and it's... Trenton Rock, of, it's heaps yeah, of stuff down there. It is beautiful. Yep. And
1: another good thing about... Well, pretty much anywhere along this east coast of uh, of New South Wales, one thing they have that we don't really have as good in Victoria is the the, the river and estuaries. So I think they're yeah. tremendous along there. Uh, and the floodies that they catch in there... Literally, you talk about my mate, Powerfish, fish, a three-meter flat he could be in all these estuaries. So there's some big flatties in these estuaries. And we then keep he,
2: asking to try and get him We on the want to get him on the oh, show. Patrick what? won't
1: let me. Well, no, <laughs> <Nah, laughs> we'll get him on. These yeah. estuaries are um, – I'm holding your word to that. These estuaries <laughs> are some seriously good fishing. Brim, Trevally. Um, flooded. Mul- you name it yep. Mullaway, on the, en- on the uh, entrances to all these inlets uh, Kingfish on the headlands it's a ripper place Batesman's Bay but the good thing with that is it's very similar as you work down south of the coast as well so you've got your offshore fishing inshore then we head into uh, Naruma and Naruma's a uh, beautiful place you've got a few spots in between us and in between here and there you got yep. inlets uh, I'm just nailing a few of the bigger ones at the minute uh, Naruma another Beautiful place. The bar can be a prick at times, so please make sure you know how to travel and and, and uh, come enter and exit a bar.
2: So talk to us about uh, Narooma around the bar, because clearly one of the the biggest stresses is is you know following um, and pushing out through a bar. Do you do you look at how the locals are doing it before you head out there? If you're going to fish it for the first time, uh, do you try and take you know someone? a local out and get him to sit on the boat or just sitting, watching and and picking the right day with with little swell?
1: I think picking the right day is extremely important, uh, especially if you haven't done it before. It's going to be hard to get a local probably on your boat. Maybe a charter boat might be a good way to hire a charter for a day, ask a few questions and come in. But basically what happens, it rolls in from that east and it comes straight into Naruma and it can get nasty. It's open to the ocean. It's not like Burmy where it's a little bit protected. It's, Naruma, it can get quite rough there. You jump on YouTube and look up some of the boat stacks there. Really bad. R- really, some of them are no good whatsoever. Quain
2: had a great video on, on your website a couple of weeks ago around. Did he? Um, Bar wow, crossing, absolutely.
1: Yeah, 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 all on Salt Guide. There's yep. numerous ones. I've got the Bowen River. Gwaine's did Welsh pull, I think. Uh, yeah, Inverloch. 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 Inverloch, that's where he did. So, yeah, crossing bar, it's understanding your ocean, your waves, and also your tides. Tides play a massive role. Like your ebb tide or your outgoing tide, pulling out of one of those estuaries into an ocean with a two-metre swell can make that two-metre swell three-plus metres. Really jacks so, it up. Exactly yep. right. So it's about picking your day. And the good thing with Narooma on its day you got a place uh, known as Montague Island, which is only a short uh, trip out to, to Monty. It's about eight kilometres as you tuck around the corner there. And right now, Montew Island uh, is fishing extremely well for kingfish. Now, this place, for some reason, <laughs> kingfish one day uh, 50 centimetres long, the next day they're 10, 15 kilos. <laughs> it's, it's a place you need to, you just got to go. And there's not a lot of consistency in fish sizes. They're, like I said, they could be anything. Yep. But... You're going to get fish most of the time there, especially when there's tide. You get tide moving over it, kingfish love it, you're going to catch fish. Then you've got the shelf behind it as well, which is not too far out either. It's only about 20 uh, which is pretty similar to Burmy as well. So it's not too far, and you've also, once again, got those inlets. You head down to Burmy, and Burmy's a place that I love to. Uh, I love to fish, uh, it's not that far from Monty either. It's only about twenty K's to Monty. And then you've got the shelf it's not even the shelf, you've got a couple of places off Burmie, like the um the twelve mile reef and which is where the Marlin fishing starts and it's well, not well, the beauty of
2: Burmi, you can fish off the jetty and get some of the some incredible fish.
1: Yeah, you can catch every. And that's uh, the jetty fishing in Naruma and even up to Bateson's Bay is awesome too. You can get kingfish all off the jetties up there. Yeah. Like it's just, it's a place it's well worth taking the family for safe fishing and uh, all, like as in the inlet fishing, safe fishing, as well as the hardcore offshore fishing, which a lot of people are into. But like I said, Burmey, not too dangerous coming out. Check Scotty down, we've got Scotty joining us on the show today from um, Burmy Bait and Tackle. He's going to take us through the insights of the marlin fishing, how it's starting to shape up for the season. But basically, it's not too far uh, from the shelf, uh, to the start of the marlin grounds, I guess. Or not necessarily the shelf, the start of the marlin grounds. is only about 16 kilometres offshore. Now, this is the uh, this is the downfall when you push a bit south, further south to a place like Tartha and Eden, Eden's my favourite place in the world. Tarthra is a beautiful place. But basically, you're travelling double that distance to get to the shelf. To get out, yep. One good thing about Eden that Birmingham and that don't have is Twofold Bay. Twofold Bay is the big bay out the front of Eden. Uh, and you can fish in there in some winds. You can catch Mulloway, Kingfish, Big Flatties, Taylor salmon you can catch everything in there and that's why i like to go to burmy because we're, this is uh, sorry to eden this is when i'm marlin fishing Burmese is just so easy but the problem is the boats also can really stack up there you yep. can be in a line for an hour to put your boating on seriously good marlin fishing and weather days where eden bit further to travel you got the bay if it does get windy so you sort of can do two or three things at once if you because we spend the week up there for the marlin comp which is coming up on the uh It's from the 7th to the 14th of March. If you are interested in going to support the Amateur Comp in Eden, we'll talk about this next week. I reckon we'll pump up the comp, get a few people back down there fishing it. It's a ripper comp, but basically Eden, the whole New South Wales coast, the fishing is awesome. Make sure it's safe to go there. Head down there, support the local businesses. Go there with empty eskies, empty fuel tanks, whatever it is, and uh, spend some money and catch some fish and have a good time. We need to take a break. Plenty more real adventures
2: after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures with
0: Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood.
2: Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for The Social Club where we answer your questions from social media and you can head to our Real Adventures Facebook page to join in the conversation. Uh, Redmond, first question from Sam. What electrics are you running out of your Stabycraft? craft? have heard you talk about Garmin. Have you used anything else in your time on the water?
1: I have used numerous things, uh, things, sorry, units on the water, I should say. Uh, At the minute, I'm kitted out with all the Garmin gear you can get. I love the Garmin gear at the moment. I'm running 16 inch screen with a one kilowatt transducer, also with. I'm not going to say the word because I can't. Panoramic, live scan. I forget. <laughs> you have to. You can Google it if you want. And panoptics. Panoptics. I think it's that's how you pronounce it. I'm not Sure. Yeah. I was, but I, I call it the live it. It's bloody awesome. Whatever it is. <laughs> the, yeah, the live scan. <laughs> yeah. The The li- I call it the live scope. It's uh, it's awesome. And that's that. There. I'm still learning that. It's only a new technology. They're about two grand, just under to get uh, on the back. And what that is, it's like going in for your baby echo. I guess you could say what's happening underneath you is happening. You can see the shapes of the fish in themselves. How cool is that? Like you can watch them. When you're on the slimies, getting your bait for the kingfish, you can just see them darting around where they are, what depth they're moving to, and you go, drop. say to the boys, drop it down three metres, drop it down six, you can see exactly where they are. And I know you can on a, a traditional transducer, but these are individualising individual, each fish species, yep. so you can t- determine what they are, as well as the kingfish. When I'm when I'm marking up the kingfish, you can see my sinkers on the live scope, and all of a sudden you can see the kingfish come up behind it, and you can see the slimy dude. Disco bickies all around the screen just <laughs> petrified and the kingfish are chasing it and you can see him moving around. So it's an awesome bit of technology. I've also used the likes of uh, Simrad, uh, Hummingbird, Furuno. I've used them all. Uh, all Gear is great. It's about learning what you like and how to use it and I can't complain with the units I've got at the minute with Garmin uh, uh, With Garmin, both transducers. Beautiful work.
2: Next question is from Kev. G'day boys, love the show. I need to update my trailer. Would you use a... Would you you use a skid trailer or a roller? Roller trailer, yes. Yeah. Sorry, just didn't quite Good read that. Good reading skills. Um,
1: uh, what do you roll with I'm, at the moment? I'm running roller trailer on mine at the minute. Uh, I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the roller trailers. The only... With the boat catch, they work really well because obviously the boat with the rollers tries to roll off rolls quickly, quite quickly. Yeah, uh, So I run the boat catch and it works a, a treat and I'm running the Dunvia trailer. You... Oh, there's a reason that they run them with, uh, with our stabies to do with the shape of the keel on the boat. So most keels run... Obviously, run it runs down the middle of the keel, and most of the weight's usually taken on a trailer on the keel, not so much on the sides, on your rollers as yep. such. So the skidded trailer works just as good as the rollers. And I think Dumbia have now bought out a skidded uh, trailer as well as of last year's boat show. Yep. So you can check that out as well on Dumbia on their website if you are interested in looking at the differences between them. But what about you? I'm, I'm both. I, I don't see... Yeah, they work treat. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't use a skid trailer for beach launching Yeah, because yeah. it needs to be able to roll off quickly when yeah. you back the boat down and we sort of jolt it. And then it rolls off of the back of the trailer because we're still we're in shallow water, whereas you won't be able to get that with a skid trailer. Obviously, when you're launching on a really good facility and a good ramp, it doesn't matter as much. But certainly for us, it's yeah, it, it makes more sense to to go with the roller trailer. But each it, their own. If you've got those bigger boats, then it doesn't make um, you know as much of a difference, I suppose. But yeah, that's what I've found it to be. Uh,
1: another question from Bobby. Bobby. Patrick, what anchor winch are you running on your 1550 or are you just using your electric motor? No, I've had a few weight
2: issues, Redmond, uh, Bobby, with, um, with my Stady. So we're running an anchor at the moment and it's about 15 metres of, of anchor chain on it. It's probably a little bit much, but we don't use a huge amount. It's one of the things I probably I need to look at. I think I'll end up putting on an electric anchor because the weight that I've found with twin batteries running at 80-pound thrust Encoder have just changed how the hull rides. So, unfortunately, I've actually taken it off because it's really hurt the performance of the boat. And you've found that when you've been yeah, on Yeah, 100%. Boat. Yep. Yep. So, um, you're not
1: meant to have a little 1550. You're not meant to have yourself, myself, John Boy, and all that weight up the front of the boat. Like, it's just not designed for that. So,
2: yeah. And one of the challenges with the 1550, because you're dealing with a, a really small boat, what we've got at the back is obviously. Um, the main battery, we only actually run one battery, but then we've got the live bait tank on the other side. So it leaves really little room to actually house twin batteries. So uh, I'll eventually update that boat. And what I'll do is I'll change around the configuration of the of the bait tank and we'll end up going with twin batteries at the back. And what they've just released, mod- a lot of companies now have got these new lithium batteries. So rather than having twin batteries for an 80-pound thrust mincoder, there's a 12-kilo lithium battery, which gives all the power that you need. so It's a fair bit lighter. Yeah, we're slowly updating with the technology as we, as we move on. So, it's, if, you, if you
1: were to put an anchor winch on as well as that electric, you'd be all in all sorts of trouble, just with the weights of the motors and the... Exactly. No so, I mean, you live and learn. Had, yeah. had time again, we'd, we'd
2: do it slightly different, but, you know, each their own. Now it's time... Sorry, that is the Social Club wrap-up. You can follow us on our Real Adventures Facebook page to join in the conversation. Now it's time for our dream boating destinations. Thanks to Club Marine. Ensure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine. Call or search Club Marine to find out more ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you our destination in focus this morning is princetown redmond you are heading there this weekend why is it one of those locations and you often talk about princetown it's one of the places that you love visiting specifically for diving but there's great fishing and there's great outdoor activities that you can do there as well
1: it's a crack of a place, Princetown, like I said, we're fortunate enough to head down from here to uh Princetown straight after this, and from Melbourne, you're looking at maybe two and a half hours yep. uh it's uh it's not too far, so it's not a, a really like it's not like you're taking the kids miles away and one thing they've got firstly where we're saying is the Pr- Princetown recreational camping Reserve, and the one thing that I like about this place, first in best dressed, so <laughs> it's not you don't book there's yep. no bookings uh no, no, nothing like that. Because by- it's
2: really close to Port Campbell for those looking for a sort of, um, you know... It's not far a, a at main all. town hub. It's about 14, 14 k's away from it. So that's where you can sort of load up with your groceries and that sort of thing. But it is just that little bit Removed, which we like about it.
1: Yeah, and if you are staying at the Princetown Recreation Reserve, where I am, and there's no there's no sponsor there. Trust me, I'm just that's where we stay. We love it. We can have an open fire there. Obviously, it's got to be safe to do so. Yeah, uh, we go camping. We do like to have the fire, whether it's to dry our weddies around or even just to sit there and have a nice quiet beer. But it's fifteen dollars for a person and five dollars for each person after that per car. So yep. it's pretty cheap. That's for unpowered. We get an unpowered site. Uh, we take a little generator up there that we we need to um, need to charge anything up we use that but also we take a dual cycle batteries we run it we take them up there that we've got kitted out for our fridges which run out through our cars and things so we're pretty kitted out like that uh, thanks to our good friends at Dominic they looked after us there a few years ago Patrick's so I didn't eat them up for a, no, a new refrigerator load up again. <laughs> but basically another good thing they've got uh, is also we take the girls my, my partner's obviously pregnant so she wouldn't have gone if there was no facilities there. Yep. And they've got an oval in the middle, and on the oval, they've got a full changing rooms. So it's not like your footy club rooms. It's actual uh, uh, toilets change rooms for the girls. So you are camping, but the girls can go to the toilet and have the power if they need to do so. Like you said, it's not far out of Port Campbell nor Peterborough. Now, Peterborough is where we're going to be doing a fair bit of our diving, and the reason for that is uh, just because uh, it's it's a place called the Bay of Islands. And what that means is, what that is, is an area of islands. And it's very sheltered and protected for what we're going to be doing. We're heading there to dive. Which, if you're going to dive
2: in the Bass Strait, you really do need to, to go where there is protection because the swell that you can get at different stages of the year can be absolutely huge down there.
1: Well, Princetown to Peterborough is 30 minutes, and, and Princeton's swell is crazy. What I mean by crazy is you walk down to the beach... It's, it's waves on waves, as Powerfish says. It yep. is waves, just literally insane. you get them 20 foot. Like. It, it, like crashing down. So we travel up the coast about 30, 30 kilometres down to Peterborough. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen the Peterborough boat ramp. Yeah, it's the world's steepest boat ramp. The world's steepest boat ramp. Uh, it's fantastic, though. Like, it's, it is It's not as hard as people, and I'm not just saying this because I am a fish. It's not as hard as everyone makes it out to be. You literally drive down on an angle. You get down to the beach, and we take the smaller boats, and we back them in. Exactly like you would out the front of your house, except 10 times easier because the sand is so compressed. Hard, it's yep. hard sand. And we do our diving in the Bay of Islands. Like you said before, swell is an issue down, especially on the southwest coast of Victoria. It is an issue. It crunches through. So the Bay of Islands is actually very protected. So if there's swell where you normally want to dive, you can dive all through these islands and get craze all the way through. One thing that I, I, I'm not saying is because you do stuff wrong, uh, people get carried away and get excited with crayfish. Now, down there in the Bay of Islands, there's a lot of small crayfish, just on size to small. Fisheries monitor this area, red hot. So make sure if you are going down there to uh, to dive, to grab crayfish, take your measure under the water with you to measure them before you hurt the crays, bringing them up in your catch bag or whatever, you because like, that can damage them, and get rid of them uh, straight away if they're under size because the fisheries are red hot down there, and especially on the Australia Day long weekend, like... Uh, like it is this weekend coming.
2: Well, enjoy yourself, Redmond. Princetown
1: is our dream boating
2: destination for this morning. Club Marine is Australia's leading provider of insurance for boats and jet skis. And now you can win the dream with Club Marine. Club Marine members have the chance to win a share of over $260,000 in prizes, including a Ram 1500 Laramie pickup truck and a North Bank 600C boat and trailer package. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Eligibility criteria, terms and conditions apply. Call for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. New South Wales permit number LTPS 19 slash 33208.
0: Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic
2: Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for all aboard thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 cooler bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures our special guest this morning is scotty from Burmie bait and tackle who's had it tough obviously the last few weeks and last few months really it's been a, a really challenging period for a lot of local businesses and local communities up and down that eastern
1: seaboard good morning scotty
0: morning lads how are you going
1: going not too bad thanks scotty and now basically you've like you said pat's been tough down that whole southeast coast of new south wales take us through uh what you experienced and how realistic it actually was to see what was happening right around your whole town of Bermagooie. Yeah,
0: I think we had, um, obviously, from <clears throat> Jarvis Bay to the south, down to Eden, everyone's had their um, fair share of fires, and, um, yeah, um, lots of property, and et cetera, and you know, have 350 houses in the Bega Valley Shire you now. Um, but, look, yeah, there was um, we had to evacuate, obviously, and move on, and there was points where um, places were getting pretty busy, uh, food and water they were pretty good like the services dropped in to um, you know, things like Cobargo things like Coles had like a supermarket within two days set up with everything for nothing aid was coming from all over the place in all shapes and, and sizes and that the response it was pretty amazing but um, yeah obviously there's been a couple of yeah, a few lives lost and it's, you know, some of those are long term yeah and, places like that, and that's sort of um, it's probably the reality so at the end of the day like some amazing stories of people hosing houses, saving things, and getting out of burnt areas. Um, you know, people have managed to, to hold themselves pretty well together, and the local community up down the whole coast have done a great job. And um, I suppose, you know, at the end of the day, you're just happy that everyone, yeah, you know, most people are out, and most people didn't lose things, and um, they get the opportunity to help everyone else, and that's happening. I think it's um, worked well. We've had a fairly solid storm, right? You know, rain the last couple of days, and that's gone a long way to a bit of those resonating sort of big tree trunks and that was still burning out. And obviously, even down in the gips there that are flogging with some rain yesterday. So, um, yeah, look, basically, i been everyone evacuated. People stayed in town, um, small groups, and um, just tried to help each other. We did that, and that was good. We, yeah, we sold 800, well, gave away 800 and something big-meg rolls on the near, near morning trying to feed <laughs> the Cobargo residents. So we thought it was um, – we couldn't work out why it was taking so long to – to feed everyone and the sun hadn't come up, but it was actually about 9.30 in the morning and it was still pitch black. Oh, <laughs> uh, scary. <laughs> it's it's outside. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But, um, look, we've had planes and choppers night trying to help bomb and containment lines go in and look at this stage. There ain't much you can do about it except, um, sort of move on and not stopping anyone from fishing. It's just taking a little bit longer to get here from the south and I've seen twins and the paper. the 12 to 14 hour journey in the last few days and Caught himself a couple of fish, and that's
2: probably where we're at today, anyway. Scotty, on moving on and the fishing, um, everything is well and truly open for business when it comes to um, actually packing up the boat and getting on the water now. So when people are thinking about should I, could I, is is the fishing any good? It's time to get back and start supporting these local communities, especially Burme, um, but right up and down that seaboard because there's great
0: fishing at the moment, particularly offshore percent yeah look the small towns and villages Cornwalls and Tar and, and other, you know any any fall in turnover there has a big impact it's all relative um, bigger towns and bigger cities that will be down in sales but they they can sort of manage it a little bit better so it makes sense because they've got consistent populations the towns down here that thrives in from January to the end of April let's say yeah you know, really look forward to people coming back. There's no doubt about that. But, look, yeah, the kings have been fairly consistent. With the islands, um, every second day, you've got yeah, some good-sized fish only. I mean, you'll get um, mostly rats the next day. But the fish are there in numbers. So if you're, you're doing your two or three trips or you want to swing to the island for the morning and have a jig or a live bait for an hour or two, and they on, you right. Otherwise, you can sort of go wide and start looking for traps and some live baits or whatever you want for dollies. Dollies are a bit small still, but... Um, there's the odd better one around. And um, we've got really warm water here at the moment, like 24 and a half degrees. And, but his bait just ridiculous. Like, it's just everywhere up and down the south coast and the far south coast. And um, it's been good fish in it, really good bite to the north and a good bite of churros. And, um, and nothing saying, but the biggest thing is the smoke sort of cleared, literally. That was the main thing up until even a few days ago. He still had that smoky haze, which made it all feel a little bit surreal. And... Yeah, you can just go straight back to looking in the birth street and there's just no one here, and everything's pristine. So that's where it's at today.
1: Scotty, the Marlins obviously a massive factor for yourself at the shop, and it brings, like I said, it fills up, fills up there, or well, the people fill up their tanks at the local fuel station because they're using fuel all day. Marlin, let's talk Marlin. this current's still moving a bit quick. It's starting to shape up though. There's a few fish getting caught out of that current.
0: Oh, for sure. If you find edges and that, but it's just surprising how much baseball activity there is already. You know, that's, um, I think that's even further north. It's you know, not normal this time of year, but you if, um, if certainly seen fish. Like I think the you that know, they had nine fish on one ball oh. yeah, um, day before yesterday. You know, um, some guys on Tassie Devil had a three-way hookup just bringing their boat back down from Batemans Bay once they got south of Churros. Um, some people are saying, "Well, what's happening at the moment is the fish are really fickle, like whether it's too much bait or temp related." But, you know, we fish Wednesday and raised eight fish and. Caught two, but I can tell you we were never going to catch the other. The others like they were just coming up on skid boats, head and shoulders out of the water. You could, yeah, you, know, you couldn't get them to eat. Speed up, put the teaser down, like a chain back in front of them, get them back up, get them head and shoulders up again, try and switch, and they just were grabbing baits and dropping them. Yeah, you know, and that was, yeah, you was know, some pretty silly figures there early in the week because the fish were just um, literally there, but um, not on the tube. And then, you know and then it'll, that'll it'll cool off a little bit, and that'll change and still there and people will find the bite will be much more aggressive.
1: So with the with the fish being on the bait balls already, you, you would think with that temperature there and the current, you said there's a few edges there, nice edges there holding fish as well, you would think it's going to shape up to be a pretty good next couple of months?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always hot spots. There's places where you're going to get two to three bites a day. There's places where you're going to get five to ten bites a day. That's that's every year, you know, whether that's a bit of cool water, southeast east of either, whether it's straight off Tartar or Merengua or, you know, out the front here. Um, yeah, but it's good to see that out the front here, you know, it's only a 20k run, is probably been proving quite consistent, you know, yeah. for the first couple of weeks, even though conditions are probably not ideal, you know, so you're probably, it's just good to see a good number of fish despite the water being 24 24.5 to 24.8 degrees and, yeah, not a current. I think it's upwelling and pushing west a bit underneath because you just get out over the edge a little bit and you just have a really unstable sort of washing machine like swell and roll. And you can just tell that even though the current's sort of probably running to the south, you've got um there must be some sort of current pushing up westward, you know, subsurface just the way it makes that water stand up. So you're still getting that upwelling, which is yeah, keeping bait tight on the tight on the edge itself, not so much back in seven So that's a good sign.
1: Let's take it inland a bit. I've seen on the social media a couple of couple of big flathead have been caught as well, which is also good to see in the inlets. How's that fishing?
0: Yeah, good. Um, well, you it's been consistent. Not not consistent big fish, um, but just good animals. Um, people can go, and you know, release all they want or keep their food or whatever. Right. A lot of fish seen to be around that forty-five to fifty centimeters, which is a, a good fish on a hard body or a soft plastic for anyone to catch. Um, Walking inlets probably been the pick of it for the last ten days. It's just been uh, just highly productive for anyone where they're kayaking or off the bank in the tinny um, and Mogarika or the bigger river at Tartar is standout out probably for the bigger animals and Churros also but, um, we have the, the young fella. we put a picture up of his 71 centimetre flutter there this morning but he's rather popped him about half an hour later with a 91 centimetre fish. <laughs> just, that's just like I mean I've been called one over mid 80s and lots of us haven't gotten much above that and you know you've got these youngsters getting around <laughs> pulling <laughs> 80 plus centimeter fish just on a regular holiday, so that's good to see. <laughs> that's and that's good. Um, good. There's lots of bait in the inlets, and they're closed because the inlets been closed for so long. I think it's getting a better sized fish. The snapper are becoming legal size in Wollongong Lake now. Um, you know, you've seen see fish in the mid 40s because um, everything that's in there is surrounded by bait and trying to grow. And um, as long as we don't get a massive push of black water from, you know, excessive storm damage or anything like that, that might rush a bit of black water and in uh, we've had a few showers of rain that's stabilized the country a little bit it's actually greened up we drive to Tobago now it's green you know, Two too much the criteria coming out of the water and it was burnt 10 days ago yeah, so it yeah. shows you that um, we need that to stabilize bit to the topsoil so that we get nearly sort the bigger storms that we normally get in February we're not running off into the estuaries with ash and filth just to, um, really stuff up the fisheries a little bit so that hopefully we can get away with that not happening,
2: That's the main thing. Scotty, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures and and I suppose filling us in that the area is fishing incredibly well, so if you're thinking around fishing the Bermagoo region or right up and down that eastern seaboard, um, latch on your boat and get fishing. Thanks, Scotty.
0: No worries. I just wanted to say, lads, if you don't mind, we do have that option that we've gone through Timmy Dean from Putso Fishing Adventures yesterday um, for three days at Cairns. Um, fishing, more inclusive, worth about 11 grand. Uh, but that is going to be an option open until next Monday, and that is going to go directly into the community via the Country Club, which we think is an appropriate channel. So it's very good of Tim, and we're going to keep an eye on if anyone's speaking about going to go into Cairns this year.
1: Where can we, just, just so everyone knows, where can we find the auction to bid on it? Uh, what's it on?
0: That's just a bid, a bidding in the comments on our Facebook page on the thread that is pinned to the top of the Birmingham Bait and Tackle Facebook page.
1: So Burby Bait and Tackle, it's or pinned to the top. there. Get your bid on there, yes, and do and uh, do you spend some money, Patrick. Pull the Absolutely. pull it out of the pocket, and uh, <laughs> no, that's good because we've had a few of those down here, and that's awesome to see the Burmese—they've copped the fires and they're doing this—and well done to Clip. So yeah. that's awesome for donating. How much? Eleven grand, you say? Eleven uh, grand. Well, three
0: full it? days, all inclusive. Our um, uh, cans on the Black Mountain season this year, and you uh, just got to cover your airfares up there. Current bids around eight thousand five hundred dollars, and I gather as we get to Sunday afternoon and next Monday, that'll probably go for a little run, but it is all for the a direct yep. injection of cash back into the immediate economy. For places like the country club that could not trade for two weeks and um, really suffered, acted as the RFS, and clubs are, in club is a vital linchpin in, in any little township, in the city It holds all the sporting clubs and things like that and whatever else in town It's owned by the community. So it's a good cause. So anyway, it's something to look out for. No, cool. that's
1: that's great. Why on Timmy Dean, why don't for donating that. Clipso Fishing charter three days fishing. Log on to the Burmy website and start beating away. Thanks, Scotty, for joining us this morning on Real Adventures.
0: All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Cheers. Thanks,
2: mate. Thanks, Scotty. Scotty from Burmy. Scotty from Burmy, bait and tackle. It's time. Scotty from Burmey Bait and Tackle. That was all aboard for Dometic, Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Redmond, it's time for Red review. One of the things you always talk about when it comes to kingfish is looking after your live bait, and you can't do that without a live bait tank, Redmond.
1: Exactly right, and what you're about to talk about here is your portable live bait tank. it's so going to pass the review to you because you did a little bit of research, unlike myself, this morning, so i let you take it away, but the importance of a live bait tank... In a boat, is you, I think it's up there with having an engine. Sometimes, if you want to catch fish, and the reason for that is it's simple. As for example, for me during the week chasing the kingfish, you can run a, you can run two live bait tanks. Now, I don't have it on my boat. I've got one live bait tank, but the portable one that you're about to talk about. If you don't have one, it allows you to have one, or you can run two. And what that mean, what I mean by that is is you can actually split your slimies up from your squid. You're not going to have squid killing your slimies in the in the tanks and also you can also if you really want to have a heap of slimies in the tank for the whole day, you can run half and half in your portable one, which it works really well. And it can also catch you that fish that hasn't caught you one. That's just a tank in itself. So for example, if you're out shark fishing down off your house, Patrick, chasing a mako, and you haven't got a haven't got a live bait tank, but you put one of these portable ones in there, and you're getting a few slimies while you're uh, waiting for your shark drift. They come up in the burley, and you can you can put one slimy in there or two slimies in your live bait tank just to have there for a live bait if a mako does come up. And say, for example, we get a dead bait in the water and it won't get active on that bait, you can chuck a live one in and that's what it can be to change to catch your dream fish, just having that bait in the water. So a live bait tank is extremely important and it's going to help you catch a hell of a lot more fish, especially kingfish, marlin and a few other species.
2: All right, we've done a little bit of research for you. Now, the most important thing when it comes to a live bait tank is aerating the water because that's the thing that keeps the fish alive. Now, you can't do this with a totally sealed lid, so you can't just put any old cooler and then just fill it full of water and put fish in there because there won't be enough oxygen there. So what you need to do is aerate the water. Now, some of the easiest systems when it comes to aerating the water, um, we've looked through our basically a the Bargain Boat Bits catalogue, and we've found the Seaflow Live Bait Rechargeable Pump Kit. Now, this is $60. Um, It was the cheapest that we'd we'd found. Uh, And basically, because it's rechargeable, you just charge it before you go out fishing, charge through a USB, and then that will aerate your water. Now, if you're going to use... Sort of a DIY setup, and you're not going to have an overflow, overfill. So you're yeah. not, you don't have a pump that's pumping fresh water. And in if you do have an overfill,
1: make sure you've got a bilge pump on your boat
2: in case, just to throw it in there. Sorry, Pat. Exactly right. So um, there's a couple of really good portable um, setups that are that are available. Banggood make a 28 liter waterproof fishing live bait cooler. Now this is a crunchable bag, so it's soft shell, so it's easier to store when you're not using it. Salt Attack do the same thing. They've got a flush slash live bait tank, so flush is to use it as a live bait tank. Now, you, you don't really want to cross it over, so if you're going to lo- use it as a as a flush bag for your outboard, just leave it as that. Otherwise, it will fill up. Yep. Obviously, Redmond with your uh, different oils that you don't really want for your live bait tank, but they can kill them. Yeah, they're great for for live bait tanks because they're a really good size, and once again, you can you can compact them down. So we found this on eBay um, at 140 bucks. So easily collapsible. You can fit your um, your rechargeable aerator into it, and when you need to fill it up with with more water, or the water starts to get a bit stagnant, and you need a bit of a refresher basically use a bucket. So for well under 200 bucks, you can have a system that's set up, um, you know, to look after your live boat tanks. There's there's plenty of other different, um, setups you can use. And there's, there's purpose built ones that we found for around 140 bucks. Um, that are really good as well so what was the um, best
1: site you were looking at to find this is the
2: we found a lot on eBay bargain boat bits is where we've yep. done a, most of our research now most of the the um, marine shops will use bargain boat bits because it's a it's a buying group that harnesses the power of all different shops buying at a lower rate so for the consumer they can sell to you at a cheaper rate so that was the one that we' looked at for reg review this morning and that's it Redmond. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's Tip for New Age caravans
1: designed for the road ahead. Patrick, Red's Tip is coming off the back of what you just spoke about. I had a different tip, but you've, you've made me throw it in there because I did this literally last week. Chasing kingfish, live bait tank. I am so petrified of killing my liveys that I don't even clean my bait tank the day before I fish, so I fish most days. Yep. I don't clean my bait tank with soap or anything like that before I go. And I know people go, oh, you don't clean your bait tank. What I do is most of the time to clean my live bait tank is I just run. So say, for example, I've been defrosting pillies in there for you know, the whiting, whatever it is. The whiting go in the in the chiller bag, but in the tank itself, I, I don't actually put the soap in there. I just run the salt water through my tank the whole way back in or the last five minutes of driving in, turn it on. Run it through, but when I get to the car wash, I don't put the soap in it. I don't like putting soap in my live bait tank because if that sits in there in the water, and you'll notice this, it'll bubble up. And you put liveies straight in there; it will. It's not good for your lives. It'll kill them. It'll. Yep. Act, they're not made to be sucking in soap. It's just not what the fish are meant be, to do. They'll be clean though. They'll be very clean slimies. But basically, don't use soap on your uh, live bait tank. But also, when you like, I was going back to your bait. Don't just leave bait in the bottom of your tank. I know people. Do it, like as in that like just little bits in there. Give it a good clean out because it will use your scour or whatever. You yeah, can just give it a wash. Inside. It takes yeah. two seconds, but don't be using stuff on it. Like don't any chemicals because it'll kill your live bait tank. Uh not your, your live is in your late live, live bait tank. That was Red's tip for New
2: Age caravans. Take your caravanning experience to the next level. New age caravans designed for the road ahead. The flying gaff this week. Redmond, we've seen right throughout uh, various social media pages throughout the boating and fishing industry. It's lit up this week that uh, a man from Malaysia um, is believed to have been hit by a fish, and it has uh, speared him through his neck. We're not exactly, we're not sure what actual species of fish it is. Kind of looks like a
1: spear fish. Look, I'm not joking. It actually, it's hard to say in those photos.
2: But he's been speared through his neck, and if you need a visual picture for it, this is a. A longer-billed fish that has gone through his neck. How it hasn't killed him is quite extraordinary. But unfortunately, the, uh, the young fella this week gets the flying gaff. This has been Real Adventures. It's time to go fishing.